What's up, guys? This is episode 40 of the Corner Sports Podcast. This week, we'll be going over week 10 in the NFL, where the Browns put a beating on the Texans, along with our usual Fab Five of players you should pick up in week 11. And we'll be discussing some buy-low candidates for the upcoming fantasy trade deadline. All that and more, coming up next. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Corner Sports Podcast. As always, my name is Brandon Kuglin, and I am joined by the commish himself, Christian Riley, and Paul P.K. Kaler. How was it going, guys? How was your weekend? Guys, we're on episode 40. I know. That was the weirdest thing to read. Our podcast is officially over the hill when it comes to birthdays. Lordy, lordy, the podcast is 40 weeks is, old. Is our podcast <laughs> about to have a midlife crisis? I think it's had a couple. <laughs> yeah, I think each host has had one, but the podcast itself is still technically in its infancy. It's still, still going strong. We're still here. <laughs> but my weekend was all right. It was topped off by a Browns win that I thoroughly enjoyed because it was everything that we've been preaching on this podcast for quite some time. Paul, how was your weekend? I, I, I can't complain. Um, I'm tired of the sun going down at three o'clock in the afternoon. But outside of that, watching a Browns win on a Sunday is really all I can ask for. Yeah, that game was such a fun one to watch, and I love the fact that they didn't just take our advice. They were forced to take our advice with the 5,000-mile-an-hour winds that Cleveland was experiencing. I was watching the tree in my front yard very closely mm -hmm. because that thing was swaying back and forth, and I'm just like, you know, homeowner's insurance, this is why, right here. <laughs> this moment I'm having right now, we, they pretty much were forced not to throw the ball, and... Oh, I'm just so grateful. People want to say that game was boring, but I'm all good with it. I'm all about boring if it's a game that's in those conditions. Oh, yeah. If it's, it's a game where you're getting 50 mile an hour wind gusts and your game is delayed due to a torrential downpour, I'm not expecting a high flying, high scoring type of game. The line in Vegas for the over under of that Browns Texans game was 46. If I would have known that ahead of time, I for sure would have bet any amount of money on the under for that game. Well, what I really like to, I mean, we can and we can get to the big finish here um, a little bit later. But one thing that I really enjoyed is you can tell the kind of old school game it was when you get a fake field goal turned into a punt, right? Like when you get some ch tricks like that getting pulled out of the bag. That's when you know, that's like the old pun on third down, just because you know there's no chance you're going to get further in this cold, terrible, windy weather. So whenever you see plays like that, you know that it's going to be an old school run the ball down their throat, slobber knocker of a game. And I'm glad the Browns were on the winning side. It, it doesn't help uh, our case that we didn't blow these guys out starting, you know, Duke Johnson at running back and we, we still couldn't, couldn't really just put our and they have a bad defense so so the fact that we couldn't come out and just dominate with two of the best running backs that of course can be you know brought up but we still got the dub i'm cool with it but uh let's dig into this game a little bit and let's talk about how much we love the fact that both of our boys that we've been preaching all year long got how many carries a piece christian 19 apiece. Damn. They combined for 38 carries. Beautiful. Oh. Both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, each of them reached 100 yards. They totaled 
hundred and or two hundred and thirty total when it came to rushing yards between those two, and they would have had two rushing touchdowns if Nick Chubb wasn't as smart and as humble as he is. Much to the, such a Nick Chubb move. It was he's already yeah. a quiet workhorse that like doesn't he doesn't even celebrate. He barely speaks, and then of course in classic Nick Chubb fashion, he has a chance to score a touchdown and do a dance in front of that stupid camera in the end zone. And he's just like, nope, bigger nope. man than that. I know what's Side more step. important. I learned my lesson from Todd Gurley. I'm good. Also, and to the, all the people that are like, well, if he was really smart, he would have took a knee. Okay, you move that fast and, <laughs> and jump down to a knee. We saw Todd Gurley try to do it in way less space. He so. said after the game that the head coach, Kevin Stefanski, reminded the offense that if they were to get a first down, to go down, to not try and get extra yards, to not go for the end zone. And that's a testament to having a prepared head coach because in those elements and in that kind of game and in a game that you're not seeing big plays, what head coach is thinking, you know what, if we break it for 60 here, let's not score. That's thinking four steps ahead. That's not the and, next step. That's four steps ahead. Hey, let's just, let's, just, let's just call a spade a spade here, guys. If it's either of you, I'll tell you what I would do, but if it's either of you, what are you doing right there? I'm going for the end zone. I'm doing a fucking front flip even, into the end even zone. Even Miles Garrett said that he would have gone for the end zone. There. I'm doing the Marshawn Lynch grabbing my nuts. Home and home I'm I'm doing all of it. So kudos to Nick Chubb. Now I'm not a Nick Chubb owner in any of my fantasy leagues. Not by my own choice. I wish I had any shares of Nick Chubb for the season because I was very high on him oh, yeah, coming into this we're year. We're a fantasy podcast. I'm, I'm sitting here like, yeah, that was great, but... Sorry, Sorry fantasy, owners. fantasy owners. Fantasy owners are going to swing on us for thinking that that was a great play. If you're a Nick Chubb owner, how mad are you that he stepped out at the one right there? Imagine if you're a Nick Chubb owner and you lost your matchup by five points, four points. Oh, and it doesn't even have to be Nick Chubb owners. Imagine being that 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 clown who had, you know, minus four, yes. Browns minus four, Browns minus 3.5 in that little window there. And... You're, you're, I mean, you're probably running down the street already when you see that run break out and only to come back to your home and see that he stepped out at the that one. He stepped out at the one. It's a, it was a bad day for, it was a bad day for gamblers or anyone betting on the Browns or Nick Chubb. But, uh, yeah, fuck you guys because, uh, we did great. You know, the Browns, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, I am happy that the Browns won. What that game reminded me of was the last game that the Browns played, that game against the Las Vegas Raiders, where we said, that if Nick Chubb would have been healthy and active for that game, that we would have expected Cleveland to win against Las Vegas, and they would have played better, and they wouldn't have been outrushed by the Raiders the way that they were. You fast forward after the bye, now you get Nick Chubb back, and it was almost an exact reversal of the loss that the Browns just suffered, and this time it goes in the Browns' favor. Now you have two workhorse running backs, so in place of... Josh Jacobs getting 31 carries in terrible Cleveland weather. You have Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb getting 38 carries in terrible Cleveland weather. That's the difference between the 16 to 6 loss that the Browns suffered to the Raiders and the 10 to 7 win that the Browns just accomplished on Sunday. Well, just a little fun trivia for you guys. So the Browns 1966. Damn, that was right. No, I'm just kidding. Damn it. Because that would be actually be phenomenal if that was the answer to my question here. The Browns have played five games where Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb have combined 
for more than 28 carries. Me and Christian have all, me and Christian, Christian and I, whatever, grammar police. Christian and I have always said that the magic number is between 25 and 30. What do you think the record of the Cleveland football Browns is in those five games where those two combined have rushed for over 28 yards or 28 carries? Well, we've tracked it the entire time that we've been on this podcast, and we've been preaching it for the entire time that the Browns have had Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb that we want them to get 30 carries a game. Now, when I looked at the stats, I lowered that because I saw that I saw this stat and I saw their record, and their record is five and zero. When Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb combined for at least twenty eight carries, the Cleveland Browns have not lost a game. Look at that! Would you? This is the reason why we were so high on both Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb, despite them being in the same backfield for fantasy football. Usually, if you have one guy eating into another guy's carries. You don't think there's enough work to go on? Look at the Buffalo backfield right now. Zach Moss and Devin Singletary. That's a 50-50 split. Look at the Rams backfield. They have a four-headed committee that fantasy owners are just ready to punt on right now. The Patriots, ca- per usual. The, the Niners, uh, per Shanahan, right? Like, so many like that. This is the reason why I said that Nick Chubb was worth that mid-first-round pick This is why I was so high on Kareem Hunt at his ADP. And it turns out, in a way, we were wrong about how high we were on Kareem Hunt when Nick Chubb went down, because it seems like both running backs are better when the other one is on the field with them. And what I I think is awesome, Paul, you and I talked about this before the season started. We said, ideally, in a perfect world, with Chubb and Hunt in your backfield, the goal is Kamara Ingram. That kind of split where not only, you know, in the in-game value, I'm going to try to not speak like a Browns fan right now, mm-hmm. but the fantasy value in both guys can show up every week if the coaching permits. And there were some shaky moments with Stefanski early on, but I think we're sh- seeing he knows what to do in these kind of games. Weather was terrible. You have two of the best running backs in the NFL. Freddie Kitchens might have still tried to throw the ball 80 yards down the field. So glad that we have a guy that understands the 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 makeup that those two guys need, and it translates in fantasy because they're both startable assets every week. Both? Yeah, I would fire up. Oh, sorry, Paul. sorry. I would fire up Nick Chubb as an RB one every week for the remainder of the season, and Kareem Hunt is anywhere between a high tier RB two, depending on the matchup, and a flex play every single week from here on out. I don't care if they're playing the Ravens. I don't care if they they were playing the Steelers. The remainder of their schedule is easy when it comes to fantasy football outside of those two matchups. So for the remainder of the year, Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb should be fired up in all lineups for the rest of the year. What were you going to say, Paul? I just think that even in negative game flow circumstances, Hunt still has tremendous value because I think it's it's clear now that he is the... He's the pass catching back, and Chubb doesn't catch as many passes as he used to now with with Hunt in there. So even if we do go down big to a Baltimore or a Pittsburgh, I think Hunt still has value in that RB two spot because he's gonna be catching passes or at least PPR value. So I think, and then you look at the beginning of the season, and it was only three and a half or three three games and some change, but up to that point where Chubb went down, both of those guys were in the top ten of running backs in fantasy. fantasy production. So, I mean, it's just, I think it's great now that and I, I'm me, I'm a huge Stefanski fan. I can say this for the first time as a Cleveland Browns fan that I actually genuinely like a head coach for the Cleveland Browns. This Slow 
down. No, this is the first. This is the first first time I could say that because I wasn't really a Freddy fan myself. But (laughs) do you guys remember the reaction in Cleveland when Kevin Stefanski was hired? He's just and and he he fits the mold of what they're trying. Like Miles, a humble, a quiet, humble guy. Nick Chubb, humble guy, reserved. Stefanski's the same guy, and he's a dilf. You know, you can't. You, you, Whoa. You know, he just is. Somebody has to say it because it's, it's the elephant in the room. But nope. no, I, I like his MO. I think he and he's a rookie head coach. So we're going to have there's going to be games like like the Raiders game where the, where the game flow or the game planning maybe wasn't top notch. He's a rookie coach. It's going to happen. But now that Hunt and Chubb are healthy and let's face it, the Browns are down a big weapon. With OBJ going down early in the season, now granted we 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 can debate the relevancy of him in this offense, but it still does take a weapon out of the offense, and that does give more opportunities to Chubb and Hunt, in my opinion. So as long as both of them are healthy, regardless of game flow, they both have week in and week out fantasy value. Let's flip it to the other side of this game that we just saw in Cleveland. When I was answering the start sit questions that were sent to corner this week, I received a lot of questions about Brandon Cooks, Will Fuller. And Deshaun Watson. And it didn't take me very long of looking up the stats on these players to realize that I wanted no part of anything in the Texans offense this week. And that's mainly because Deshaun Watson, in a very limited sample size, has struggled when the weather has been windy. In the four games coming into week 10 this week that he has played in high wind conditions, Deshaun Watson only has five passing touchdowns, and he averages 228 passing yards per game. Isn't it great to watch a team in our hometown that doesn't need to rely on quarterback play to get wins? Because Baker, in in this game, (laughs) I mean, hey, wins are wins. This isn't, Yeah, I'll take them. And and you you mentioned, like, the relevancy of the wind or how much weight or how much weight the wind holds, but it's like, you know, this isn't, these wins aren't being graded by a BCS poll. You know, a win is a win and a loss is a loss, and that's all it counts for. And Amen. Baker did not have a sexy game, but he did everything we needed him to do. And all we needed him to do was not turn the football over. And he, and he did that. And he came once again. Phenomenal yeah. quote. His pressers, his pressers are great. Real Although G's move in silence like lasagna. They're like, a lot more fun when we win. Yes. Oh, 100%. Like, could you imagine him saying that after a loss? <laughs> but I will say this about the Texans, and I need I, you guys can shame me. I deserve it right now, okay? I picked up Duke Johnson and started Why? Duke Johnson. <laughs> you didn't learn that lesson oh, when he it was gets a Browns? Worse. It gets worse. All Cleveland fans were just begging for Duke Johnson to get more carries and give him more of a responsibility oh, I, when hey, he was a Cleveland Brown. I wasn't that guy. I was the guy that was sitting here like, he's not a, a quote-unquote rushing Running back, but he was the AFC he was a North playmaker. rookie of the year. He was a playmaker. That was what everybody said. But here, here's where I am guilty, and this is where I deserve as much shame as you can muster up right now. I saw that he was projected for 14 points. Why are you falling for? You saw the weather. I did a double whammy, and I fell for the projection. You know what I say I, about projections every single week and year. I hate projections. I was projected to go 0 13 in my NFL.com league, and I'm fighting for a playoff spot right now. I'm a simple man. Okay. And Brandon, I made a mistake. All right, all right, Brandon Litter, Litter Cooks, Will Fuller, Duke Johnson, they were all projected higher numbers. And the computers that make those projections were ignoring the fact that Deshaun Watson sucks in windy games. As soon as I saw that stat that Deshaun Watson has struggled through the entirety of his career, anytime that the wind is blowing 
And most quarterbacks would suck in those conditions. And that was damn near a tornado before the game. As soon as I saw that, I knew that every Houston Texans weapon should have been benched in that game. The only exception I would have made would be if you are playing Duke Johnson in a flex play in a PPR league. Oh, that's okay. it. Yeah, then we're good. That's what I did. And you still got five points out of him? Yeah. Because I don't believe he even <laughs> caught a ball, which that I didn't expect. I hope the Browns win, obviously. That is priority one. But I also wouldn't hate it if this dude like just was getting terrible trash handoffs the entire game and would, you know, popped off 15 points. I wouldn't have hated that. I'm still cool with the fact that the Browns won and he only got five points, but I need one of you to kick my ass royally right now for falling for that stupid, stupid projection bullshit. Well, did you lose that matchup? I did. Well, then you got your ass kicked enough. <sighs> well, I lost, You got so what you deserved. Don't forget, Boom. it was two leagues. I lost one of the matchups. The other one, uh, we actually discussed before the, the show started, and I had all but three players score me over 20 points apiece. I don't even want to talk about how a couple of my teams failed to put points on the board. We can yeah. well, uh, let's we, let's jump into some fantasy. I just want to say I, I want to say one thing though, uh, and I know this this, this topic. Uh, one, one thing on Chubb and Hunt, it's kind of been running to the ground a little bit, <laughs> but <laughs> oh! the fact that they are the first Browns running back duo to run for a hundred yards in the same game since 1966 is kind of mind boggling to me because it says if, a lot. If you asked me, I would have thought it would have been Miter and Mack sometime in the 80s to do that because they did both run for a thousand yards in the season. I would have thought it was but, uh, Green and Suggs. All right, I think it's time to move on to the Fab Five. All right, five. we can move on. <laughs> well, before we move on to the Fab Five, I wanted to quickly touch on the AFC playoff picture for our Cleveland fans that are listening here. Right now, every team between the four seed and the nine seed is tied at six and three. The Colts, who are winning their division right now, six and three. Raiders, who own the tiebreaker over the Browns, six and three. Dolphins have won five in a row, six and three. Ravens just lost on Sunday night, six and three. Browns and then Titans. So we have nine teams vying for seven spots. Or possibly eight. Possibly I'm really hoping we don't get to that. Yeah. But let's assume that there's seven. Who are your two teams? left off of this playoff picture before we move on to Fab Five. Miami and, jeez, Miami and Vegas, I guess. I guess if I had to pick two off the top of my head right now, I'm going with those two. Cougs, what were my options? You have the Colts who are leading the AFC South. Your wild cards as of right now are the Raiders, Dolphins, and Ravens. And you have the Browns and Titans on the outside looking in. Who are the two of those teams that don't make the playoffs? So I'm I'm torn between Titans and Colts because one of them has to make it, I believe. And I'm going to I'm going to say that my boy Philly Rivers finally gets it done this year. I'm not saying he's winning the Super Bowl, but I'm saying he finally strings it together and and makes a good push here at the end. So I'm going to rule the Titans out. I know. Groundbreaking news. And then I'm going to go with Paul on the Dolphins not making it. Mostly, I mean, not saying that they're not a good team, but you can't name players on their offense. And the players that you can name, like Devontae Parker, is in, is inconsistent. Tua, to me, is overrated. Um, and they yeah, he hasn't my done boy. much for those those wins that the yeah. Dolphins are stacking up. And they dogged my boy. So I'm just going, I'm yeah, I'm going to say the Dolphins, they're a sham. They're a fraud. Poor Fitzy. And uh, I love you, Mike Rabel, um, Ohio guy. But uh, 
yeah, I kind of want to see Philip Rivers and his non-swearing ass <laughs> advance over Derrick Henry, who is just a bully. So, and you know, I didn't forget what the Titans did to us last year. So <laughs> we we did that to ourselves, but we can we're not we're not here to talk about that right now on the Cincinnati. I like it, Christian. What about you? So if I'm going to pick two teams here, obviously I have to pick one team to win the AFC South, and I'm going to pick the Titans to win that because ahead of the Colts schedule, we have them playing the Packers this week. I think they lose that game. They get another round with the Titans, which I think Titans get their revenge in that game, which sways everything. And then they close the season out with a week 16 game at the Steelers before they play the Jags. I think that those three games are tough enough where the Colts might stumble one more time in a game that they should win on top of those three and knock themselves out of the contention here. So I think that Tennessee takes over the four spot in the AFC South. And then I think that the Miami Dolphins just come back down to earth. They have run into a very, I mean, winning five games in the NFL is an accomplishment in itself. And it not only does it require talent out of any team, but it requires luck out of any team. I just think that level of luck is going to start evening out. I don't know how they beat the Los Angeles Rams. If you look at that box score, they were outplayed in every facet of the game. But the Rams just seem to hand them a win there. And then they have so many questions at running back. They just released Jordan Howard. We'll we'll talk about the running back that's taking his place in our Fab Five. But I think their offense just lacks too many weapons. And I think their defense is not there yet to keep up the pace that they're on. I think that they've hit a very hot streak for a third of the season here. But I think their luck runs out. So I think the Colts fall out. And I think the Dolphins fall out. Titans go to the four seed. Ravens will go up to probably the five seed. I think they're going to catch fire again after their loss on Sunday night. And then I think the Browns take home the seven seed, like I called in our preseason predictions. Now for one moment, number 10, do we dare give consideration to Bill Belichick's Patriots? They're sitting at four and no. five right now. Are are either of you count, there. Are either of you counting them out right now? I am. Okay. Because... Fuck no, I'm not. I just, like in two you, seconds, that's how quickly I just. You don't can't count them out. God you can't. Damn. You can't do it. That was how fast I just did that. I I I want to though. Like I like to me, they're not a factor until they are. I don't know how else to explain <laughs> it. That's such a bad way to explain it. But I'm saying you, you get what I'm saying. Like to me, right now, I do not see them making the playoffs. Okay. And until their until their logo is in that little snippet that comes up in between, you know, timeouts and shit like that about the playoff picture. Until they're in the hunt, I'm not worried about the Patriots. Very wishy-washy answer. So right now, do you count them out? I'm counting them out right okay. now. They're, okay. not, they're not in the picture yet. Okay. I'm going to count them out for now. I mean, I'm not going to say that it's impossible for them to make the postseason, but I, they have a game against Arizona, who I think they're going to lose that game. They have a game against Buffalo. I think they're going to lose that game. And then they're going to have to beat Miami, which is an attainable task in itself. They can They can do that, but I think that there's too many teams that are two games ahead of them right now with seven to play for them to make up enough ground to jump up into the playoff picture. They're still alive as of right now. If we were to show that graphic on the screen, they're in the hunt, but I'm not putting their chances very high. That wraps up our Week 10 talk of Browns football and the AFC playoff picture here. Let's move on to Week 11. Let's look ahead into what we're now considering the home stretch. I mean, we have... Week 11, 12, and 13 before a lot of leagues will start their playoffs in week 14. Now, if you have you know two-week two playoffs or if you have playoffs that go 14, 15, 16, you are 
down to your final three weeks of regular season football to solidify yourself as a contender. And we have five players here, as we always do every week. It's our Fab Five for Week 11. I change it every week with my duts and buttets, in case you guys didn't notice that. All about attention Yeah, it's a little bit of a shuffle. As always in this segment, we're going to go over five players that are widely available in under 50% of fantasy football leagues. Obviously, if we're talking dynasty, most of these players are widely owned because the playoff pool is so shallow when it comes to free agents. But in redraft, these guys are widely available and their stock's going up. And I'm going to start it off with a player on a team that we just talked about when we talked about the Patriots. It's their starting running back, Damian Harris, owned in 43.7% of ESPN leagues. He's had 52 carries over the last three weeks. In terrible weather against Baltimore, he went for 22 carries, 121 yards against the Ravens' good defense. Obviously, weather was a factor there. What are you bidding on Damian Harris if he is available? And is he going to be able to hold his job when Sony Michelle returns from the IR? So, as much as I try to stay away from Patriots running backs, Damian Harris is a guy that a few weeks ago, when he came back from injury, um, that we... that we had in our fab five and I added and it's not that he's, he's been consistent and he's going to get carries, but the way that the Patriots use the running backs is terrifying. And you just said it yourself. Sony Michelle is still due back. They're using James white very little. He's got almost zero fantasy value. Yeah. He doesn't have the same value he had when Tom Brady was in new England. And I would be all over this Damian Harris ad with Sony Michelle coming, even with Sony Michelle coming back, if it was any other team, no, no, no. Well, yeah, kind of, basically, because Rex Burkhead is popping off thirty-point games here, t- fifteen-point games there, two touchdowns on Sunday night. You can never predict the Patriots you running back. You can never so, predict. So, what I'm, would you bet on him? I'm probably not going to spend at this point. Now, I, again, I have him in a few leagues, so I'm, I'm invested already. But at this point. With the competition coming back and the competition that already exists and the way that Bill Belichick runs the show and the fact that Cam Newton is a goal line shark. Not bad for running back. (laughs) (laughs) I would probably actually, I mean, all that being said, this is still a guy that I think is worthy of uh, an every week start in in most leagues uh, if you have two flex spots. So I would say 34%. Very specific. Paul? Very specific. <laughs> well, my my distaste and distrust for New England running backs is well documented. Uh, I don't think I need to really dive into that anymore. I would say going into the season that my, my most trusted running back would be James White, but obviously that hasn't been the case, or at least he maintained PPR value in most leagues. But at this point, you know, I mean, you make, you make a good point. Burkhead has gone off the last couple of weeks, and – he may not equal his output in the last two weeks for the remainder of the season because that's just how they roll. I'm not putting any trust in Damian Harris, although he has looked nice. Had a couple of nice runs last night against that Baltimore defense, but at this point, uh, this is one of those where I'll let the less, I'll let the the rest of the league that I'm in fight over it. I'll throw in a flyer at five to ten percent of my budget, but I'm not. I, d- listen, no, what, I get it. I get one it. of my steadfast rules as we've discussed, is not to trust New England backs, and I'm not going to change from that right now. I get it. I get it. that's. It was a blender. My my brain was just in a blender when I was trying to think about it. So, Christian, you're probably the one I'm most interested in hearing what you would spend right now 
because I'm still cross-eyed thinking about it. Well, I put a claim in on Harris in all of the weekly, in all of my leagues that would reset their waivers after every week. I had a claim in on Harris when he was activated from IR earlier this year because I figured that he was the most talented back in New England's backfield. And I always preach on this podcast and I always say that you want to have a stable of high rep running backs on your roster, even if you don't plan on starting them very often. And not to cut you off, prior to the season starting, let's not forget that the injury to Damian Harris happened prior to the season starting, but he was favored as the number one back in New England. And then Sony had, what, two, maybe three games? So now they're saying when he comes back, it might be more of a split. But back to your point. Yeah, so I mean, I already have him owned in the majority of the leagues that I have with a deep bench. Now, there have been instances where I've cut Harris off my bench when I had other players available where my bench just became too good for me to hold on to him. But anywhere that I had free roster spots, I already had a claim in on Harris. When it comes to the 43% owned, I'm definitely a percentage of that as owning him in most of my leagues already. But if I didn't have him owned and I see the workload that he's getting right now, I still think he's more talented than Sony Michelle. I still think he's going to get more carries than Sony. Now, I think he's going to be a very frustrating back to own if you are trusting him with an important position in your fantasy roster. If you're rostering him or picking him up, expecting him to be an RB2 every week, you're going to be disappointed. But am I picking him up and filling him in in a flex spot in a favorable matchup? Definitely. So I would bid 15 to 20% of my remaining budget not 15 to 20% of the whole budget, but 10 to 15 of my remaining budget, throw a couple bucks at him, and hope that Sony Michelle doesn't have some some new life coming off of IR because he, his stock has been dropping now for quite some time, as Sony Michelle already had the opportunity to seize the New England backfield when he was healthy, and he just wasn't effective. Damian Harris is a guy that has shown that he can carry a workload He had 22 carries on Sunday night, and he's shown that he can be effective in that workload. So I think that Sony's going to take a back seat to Harris, but I think Harris is a guy that doesn't have a very high ceiling, so therefore starting him as a flex and a favorable matchup is all I would expect of him if you are fielding a championship-caliber roster in fantasy football. All right, so moving on to number two in this week's Fab Five is Salvan Ahmed, who is owned in 7% of leagues. He's a Miami Dolphins running back who got a lot of run this week. He had 21 carries, 85 yards, and a touchdown. Very serviceable in Week 10 against the Chargers. Uh, Now, that's a very crowded running back room. I'm not sure what kind of value you guys put on him, but for me, I might go a little bit off his potential and put 10-15% on him, but what are you guys looking at? Cougs? So I am a Miles Gaskin owner and a newly or a newer uh, Salvan Ahmed owner in most of my leagues. Because I had Gaskin in a few leagues, I realized the value right away in Ahmed. Uh, and knowing how Breda can't be stay healthy, and Jordan Howard just wasn't the answer, hence him being cut as of Monday. Yeah, he's gone. So Laird uh, is a pass-catching back at best, and they're barely utilizing him. I think that has something to do with Tua not really throwing the ball. So I'm spending a... Good chunk on this guy in in any kind of keeper league, um, just because I think that he's going to have value long term. But Miles Gaskin is still their guy, and he'll be back in two weeks. 
So depending on your situation in leagues where I'm desperate for a running back right now, I'm spending up to 50% in leagues where I need a running back. This is with bye weeks coming up or, or any kind of injuries you might have. I would do that because their running back room is so messed up right now, right? But if uh, remember Gaskin coming back in two weeks, yeah, maybe just, sooner. There's just no consistency in that running back room. Exactly. Yeah. So even so with losing, I'm, I, you could get lucky, and that might be the guy moving forward. But if you don't desperately need a running back, I'm not spending more than I'm not spending more than five percent. Yeah, I would throw a lo- I would throw a couple dollars to claim Ahmed because, like I said, you like having a stable of running backs. But Miles Gaskin's going to come back. Miles Gaskin has been effective in his time so far as the Miami running back. So I'd throw a couple bucks at Ahmed. He should be owned for now, at least until Gaskin comes back. And you can see what that workload looks like between the two. But I'm not overspending on him right now. That brings us to number three. And I know a player that Paul and myself have been high on for quite some time. And while most of fantasy football considers this guy a nuisance right now to the Los Angeles Rams, we're talking about Malcolm Brown, who had two touchdowns in Week 10. A lot of people have considered him just a pest to Cam Akers and Daryl Henderson, and the Rams warned us ahead of time that this is going to be a committee, but Brown is a guy who you can't trust to be consistent, but when he's given the opportunity, he's going to put up some touchdowns. So with the running back situation being as it is, he's a guy that I'm going to roster if I have room, but he may be my first cut if a better opportunity comes along. So I'm going to throw a couple bucks at Malcolm Brown. If he's available, he's available in 41% of ESPN leagues right now, but he's a running back that's getting some opportunity. So I would throw a couple bucks at Malcolm Brown if he's available. What would you guys bid? So I have him in a lot of leagues, and he has been a nuisance on my bench. Um, Not a guy that I've been able to play consistently I think this is another one of his games where he just pops off for a couple random touchdowns. Uh, I'm probably going to keep him rostered because he's an injury away from being every down or at least just splitting between one other guy. So I'm going to keep him in the leagues that I have him, but I'm probably not going to spend a lot of money on this. I'm I'm thinking 5% at most. If anything. If anything. Paul? Yeah. Now here's a guy, Al. No, where... (laughs) I've now benched him for both of his big games this year, and he was even a pest to me in multiple leagues because I started Jared Goff hoping he'd throw for a lot of touchdowns against the Seahawks, the poor Seahawks defense. And I guess you could you could make the argument that Malcolm Brown kind of sniped touchdowns from him. But, you know, kind of same situation. I guess if you have the money to toy around, you can just say F you to the rest of the league and put 40% on him if you want. Hope for an injury to Henderson or Akers or whatever. But as of right now, too much inconsistency, just like the previously mentioned running backs. I'm putting 10% tops. Okay. So it wouldn't be right if I didn't bring up number four on this week's Fab Five, and that's my boy, Seamus Jameis Squinston Winston. Crab legs himself. Eating W's left and right, sucking down those knuckles. I'm talking about Jameis Winston. I really want to say that I would spend everything on him, but that's just not true. I would, uh, de- I mean, depend. It, it's all going to depend on the length of time that Drew Brees is going to miss. It sounds like he's going to miss considerable time. He might miss the rest of the season. There was that report from Schefter that came out Monday that Drew Brees broke ribs on both sides of his body and punctured his right lung. That's an injury that could cost him the rest of the season. So, I mean, that being said... 
I already was really high on on Jameis as just being one of the best backup quarterback. Like you're not going to keep in any redraft league, you're not going to keep a backup quarterback rostered, right? But I know Paul for sure has him in some of our dynasty leagues, um, and it's it, it, he's definitely a guy that would have been rostered there. But as far as adding right now, I think this is a sure thing. That sounds insane, but Jameis Winston lets a rip. The guy will get you points. Even the year that he threw 30 picks, he did what? 30 touchdowns. He also threw 30 touchdowns. He's got a huge arm. I think under Sean Payton, he's going to be more controlled. I think that since he's had eye surgery, things are going to change a little bit as well. I know that might just be a hearsay, but I really think that this is the shot Jameis needs. He also knows that after this run, he is then going to get offers from other teams. This is his payday. He needs this. Right he here. needs this. So if you're streaming quarterbacks, I-, I can confidently say, add Jameis Winston and you will no longer be streaming quarterbacks. This guy is a finisher. I would definitely, if, if needing a quarterback, if you don't have Russell Wilson or, or a, a top-tier guy like that, I'm throwing the bank at Winston this, this week. For sure. I really am. What do you guys think? I'm actually right along there with you because I'm a guy who a either drafted Dak or if I didn't draft Dak in eight, in any of my eight leagues, I waited until late for a quarterback. So I ended up with a Stafford or a Goff, who neither of whom are consistent enough for me to rely on. So at this point, I'm looking for we we saw what Teddy Bridgewater did when he stepped in into that Saints starting QB role last year. I mean, I'm more than comfortable saying if you need a quarterback at this stage of the game you can drop whatever you want or need to to pick up Winston whatever that number is you know it it varies for what your team needs are what your budget is how much fab you still have left but I'm, I'm fine with dropping a lot on him at this point if I'm looking at the Saints upcoming schedule and I'm assuming that with the injury to Drew Brees that he's going to be out the majority of the rest of the season, when you have a punctured lung and broken ribs on both sides, not just one, that spells danger when we're already looking at week 11. Looking ahead at the Saints schedule, you have the Falcons, you have the Broncos, you have the Falcons again, Eagles, Chiefs, and then for the fantasy championship, you're playing the Minnesota Vikings. So as we said with so many other players that have favorable matchups going forward, Jameis Winston's going to have all the chances in the world to light up bad defenses against fantasy quarterbacks in his audition now for a starting job in 2021. If you are streaming quarterbacks, Winston is a guy that I would bid whatever it takes to go get him. He's going to have a lot of yards. He's going to have a lot of touchdowns. He's going to have a lot of picks. He might throw three picks in one game and get you eight fantasy points, and then the next light it up for four touchdowns and get you 30. But we saw him throw for 5,000 yards last year, We saw him throw for 30 touchdowns, 30 picks. It's part of his game. You're going to get the picks. You're going to get the touchdowns. You're going to get the yards. But the matchup is favorable for him for pretty much the rest of the season. I think this is a boost for Michael Thomas. I think this is a boost for Alvin Kamara. I think this is a boost for Emmanuel Sanders. The Drew Brees injury is it's going to make the Saints offense less efficient. It's probably going to cost them some games. But from a fantasy perspective, I think it's going to total more yards and more scores and higher scoring games in these NFC South contests. So if you are streaming quarterbacks, pick him up now and bid whatever it takes to get him. Drop a Goff, drop a Wentz, drop a Stafford, because Winston's the guy that will pass all of them. But I'm not going to pick him up if I'm an owner of 
a Rodgers or an Allen or a Lamar or a Mahomes or Kyler Murray, Russell Wilson, the solid QB1s that are at the top of the board right now, I'm not putting a claim in on Winston because I don't need him. And chances are my bench is already deep enough where I can't afford to roster two quarterbacks. But if you're streaming on matchup, pick up Jameis Winston, spend whatever it takes to get him up to 50% of your remaining budget. Don't leave yourself empty for the remainder of the season because the playoffs are coming up. And chances are we're going to have more claims for you week after week. But Jameis Winston's a guy that should be rostered and in 80% of leagues going forward. So number five. <laughs> Moving on to number five, we are talking about a, a name we've heard plenty of times in the past on these waiver ad days. It just hasn't been this year. <laughs> I'm talking about Devontae Booker, the backup running back in Las Vegas. Guys, what are you thinking about spending on a guy who is currently and still is a backup running back. Let me make this quick. Hard pass. If you need a handcuff, go for him. If not, it's Josh Jacobs' so. And we've seen that in, in days where Josh Jacobs may not be doing that much or if he's out, it's it's a committee behind him. So whatever, man. I'm not putting anything on him. Yeah, Booker's not a guy that I would rush out to claim or spend any sort of high percentage of my fab on. I wouldn't waste a top claim on him. But it is... What we can take from his 16 for 81 and two touchdowns week 10 is the fact that he is the clear-cut handcuff to Josh Jacobs. In last year, during the fantasy playoffs, we saw Josh Jacobs miss some time. So it's showing, it kind of just paves the way to show us who the valuable pickup is if Josh Jacobs is to go down. If you want to be ahead of that curve and you have the roster flexibility and the roster space to do it, store Booker on your bench because he could be a valuable handcuff in these last six weeks of the season but he's not a guy that I would overspend on. Yeah, I'm right there with you. He, he's still a backup on his own team. He only comes in in relief of the guy that is scoring way more. So uh, I'll let everybody else fight over him. And worst case scenario, if I'm desperate, I'll add him uh, once waiver's clear. So those are some guys that should be available for your Week 11 waiver day on this Tuesday. But I wrote an article for Corner Sports outlining some guys that you may be able to trade for with many of your trading deadlines coming up right now. And the way I look at trading deadlines is it's kind of like Black Friday shopping, where you know you're going to go out and spend money on things that you may have had your eye on, but you're only doing it on Black Friday because you see that there's a discount there. Maybe you needed an extra TV for your house, right. as we see that Coogs <laughs> right. does, being the maniac that he is. It was but, one guitar swing. <laughs> You know, it happens. People yeah. people drink and break things. It's this fine. has to be a normal thing. So it's kind of like that where you don't really need it at the moment, but as soon as you see it's on sale, boom, go get it. And these are the type of guys where when you see their price drop, these are guys that you can spend on giving some pieces from your current roster to put yourself in a better situation for the fantasy playoffs. And right now, as we're staring week 11 in the face... Buy it, buy it low, girl. We need to be planning for the fantasy football playoffs. And I outlined some guys in this article on thecornersports.com, and I'm going to lead it off with the quarterback of the Baltimore Ravens, a guy who I never, ever thought would make this list. Crazy, right? As a buy low guy. Ugh. Coming into week 10 of the NFL season, Lamar Jackson was QB 11 on the season. He's a guy that can be had. I would call you a liar if at if in week one you told me that by week 
11, Lamar Jackson was going to be coming into that week as QB 11, I'd call you a liar. I'd say no way he's top never three. He's got to be it. top three no matter what. I'm not saying he would have been number one. We all said that. But I never would have guessed 11. He was stapled in as everybody's preseason QB2, especially if, in redraft. What if I told you? <laughs> what if I told that you? That Lamar wouldn't be top 10 for a quarterback. So, yeah, this isn't this isn't a solid buy low. And I am a person that would love to buy him low right now. So, Christian, please, let's get some instructions on how to do that, please. If I'm looking at buying Lamar Jackson from a frustrated owner, maybe they're sitting at... Four and six going into the remainder of the season, and their playoff chances are hinging on them making good moves for the home stretch here. I would deal a guy who has more points and who has been more productive so far, maybe a Josh Allen, a guy that a guy like that who is viewed right now as one of the top five or six quarterbacks in fantasy football. If you deal Josh Allen and a bench piece, maybe you notice that their handcuff is on your bench. If you can deal that two-for-one, Josh Allen and a piece for Lamar Jackson, it's going to pay off in the fantasy playoffs if your roster makes it there. Because if you look at the home stretch that the Ravens have, and we've mentioned it before, they close their season with the Cowboys, the Browns, the Jaguars, the Giants, and the Bengals. Well, they don't have the easiest schedule in the league for nothing. So, And the easiest part of that schedule is coming up when fantasy owners need it the most. He wasn't that impressive in a rainy game against New England that they lost. He hasn't been impressive against Houston, who he should have lit up, against Kansas City, who we were expecting a high-scoring affair. He only scored 13 fantasy points against the Cincinnati Bengals. Now I have to play devil's advocate here. Has Lamar Jackson been figured out? And is that why we can expect other teams to have Lamar figured out? Like the, in my opinion, the Patriots defense is not that great this year. I think we can all agree with that, right? They had him figured out. We we saw, I, I call it the blueprint game with Kansas City, how they had him figured out. I mean, he doesn't look like the same Lamar Jackson. And we know not to worry about his passing, but it, when he can't run, is Lamar Jackson figured out? I think it's a reasonable point to bring up but we could spend an entire podcast trying to dissect that. So at this point in the time, I'll give Lamar objectively the benefit of the doubt and look at his upcoming schedule and think that he the value is still there for him. I think that he hasn't been necessarily figured out, but if you look at his game logs, I think that in a sense, the Ravens coaching staff has been protecting him for the first half of this season because if you look at the first half of the year, he only tallied double-digit carries once in the first six weeks before their bye week. Since then, he's totaled double-digit carries in each of their last three weeks. Steelers, Colts, and Patriots, he had more than 10 carries. So now that he's starting to carry the ball more, we've already said how we don't trust Lamar Jackson's arm. He's never shown us that he can be a high-yardage passer in this league, but he's always been just an effective red zone passer where he, he will get you 180 yards and three touchdowns and do the rest of his damage on the ground. Now that we're seeing him have more opportunity to do that damage on the ground, I think that the rushing touchdowns are coming. I think that there's a couple of hundred yard games on his upcoming schedule. I don't know which weeks they are, but I think they're coming based on the talent of the defenses going against him the remainder of the season. So because of that, I would trade a higher ranked quarterback and a lower end bench piece for Lamar Jackson right now, if you notice that their owner is struggling. That brings us to, and I'm going to group four guys here together. 
In this article, I mentioned Joe Mixon, I mentioned Miles Sanders, I mentioned Raheem Mostert, and I mentioned Austin Eckler. What do these four running backs have in common in 2020? Injuries. All four of them have either had one stint of an injury that has cost them a big portion of their season, like Austin Eckler and Raheem Mostert, or they have had multiple stints of injuries that have cost them games at different times, like Miles Sanders. We saw Austin Eckler put a video on Instagram of his workouts and him being ready to return. The rumor is that he's going to be ready to come back week 12. We've seen Raheem Mostert be the top guy in a Kyle Shanahan offense, and rumors are that he's getting closer and closer to being healthy, but he just hasn't cracked being activated yet. We've seen Miles Sanders, who returned from injury this week in a game against the Giants, and the good thing about his return was the fact that he didn't light it up. He had 95 total yards, but he had enough carries and yardage and production to show that he was being effective. So it's not like he came back, rushed for 120 and two touchdowns, and his price skyrocketed back to being a round one talent like he was. So with all of these running backs, Joe Mixon is on his, on the way to being activated. He was rumored to be practicing earlier this week, chose to sit him against the Steelers. I don't blame him for that at all. Miles Sanders just got activated, didn't light it up. Raheem Mostert on his way back, Austin Eckler on his way back. With all of these running backs, which one of these four are you guys buying? So you know that I am a complete sucker for running backs. Uh, I unfortunately took your guys' advice way earlier this year, and I have Joe Mixon in a bunch of leagues, so we're going to throw that one out the window. Uh, No, uh, I'm definitely not going to buy Joe Mixon right now. I'm very frustrated with him, but... I, I After you answer this, I have a stat for you that might change your mind. But go ahead. I am definitely intrigued by the Miles Sanders uh, uh, availability. If you're in a league where you have somebody that's willing to give a Miles Sanders up with him coming back, he's a huge part of that offense. And everybody wants to get down on the Eagles right now. And I will gladly join in on that. Especially uh, this week playing the Browns. Oh, yeah. No problem. But I do think Miles Sanders is a solid running back. And if you look at his healthy games this year, um, and with what the Eagles have been able to put forward at running back, it's clear as day. That is the only man they want playing running back. So he is who I would probably pay most for. Um, but, But outside of that, I might stay away from Mixon. And I love Austin Eckler when healthy. Paul? I, it's it's tough to say because I, I I have trust issues, okay, and I lose trust easily, and I'm 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 not quite at the end of my leash with Mixon yet, but having him on so many teams and being betrayed so many times by him, uh, I mean, I have I have a stat for that. But that being said, I I gotta stay true to my word. I gotta stay true to myself. I would definitely, well, I would probably based on opportunity go for Mixon first. But Sanders, Cooks makes good points. Sanders, when he's healthy and available, is always the Eagles' top guy. And the Eagles being in their position in the NFC least, as you like to say. I love to say that. Uh, their schedule benefits him, I think, because they play Cleveland. And then they have Washington, the football team. And they have, I believe, the Cowboys still remaining on their schedule. So there's definitely a possibility there. Uh, now, I'm also a guy that took Eckler in drafts this year. So I have two teams where I have Eckler and Mixon and they've both done me nothing. There are uh, multiple leagues that I have where I took 
Mixon at the end of round one, and Eckler at the start of round two. Same here. But to wrap this up real quick, Mostert, I like his potential, but that Shanahan offense, you just never know what's going to happen. It's always a gadget, you know, in my opinion, anyways. So uh, for for the most sure thing, and not not see, because because Mixon has me concerned now, because I thought after they they give him the bye week, but then he comes out of the bye week and doesn't practice all week. That has me concerned. So man, it's tough for me, but I'd probably stick with Mixon. I I. I Mixon and Sanders are probably vying for that number one spot between these four guys for me. Wow. Still still keeping Mixon up there? I, I told you, I, I got to stay true to my word, and I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fall back on that this season. So I would think that as being the only healthy running back on this list of four running backs, that Sanders' cost would be the highest right now. I would think that his owner is psyched to get him back. But maybe if I can flip someone that is... You know, it would be almost an equal trade, but it it would almost be an equal trade in production. But the fact that Sanders was a first round talent and we saw what he did down the stretch last year would lead you to buying him for the remainder of 2020. I think his cost would be the highest on this list. So if I cross him off, I'm looking at Eckler, who I am 90% sure is coming back week 12. I love the prospects of him coming back with Justin Herbert because Justin Herbert has five or six straight games with multiple touchdowns. And the biggest knock on Austin Eckler coming into this season was the fact that Tyrod Taylor wouldn't give that offense many opportunities to score. He's a game manager. He's been knocked for being a game manager and a slow slow offense-moving quarterback his entire career. But now there's Justin Herbert who's lighting it up. And we have a nearly concrete date of Week 12 for Eckler to come back I'm very high on buying Austin Eckler now, but I'm still leaning towards Joe Mixon, and this is why. You guys are addicts. This is the stat that I mentioned in this article. You can look it up on thecornersports.com. I've put it on all of Corner's social medias. You can take a look at this article and decide for yourself who you want to buy on for this fantasy football trade deadline. But the stat I have on Joe Mixon is that we've seen slow starts from him before. In each of the last two seasons, Joe Mixon has only tallied one performance over 100 yards prior to Week 13 in each year, 2018 and 2019. He only had one 100-yard game in each of those seasons before Week 13. From Week 14 on, in those eight weeks, so if you look at from 14 to 17 of 2018 and from 14 to 17 of 2019, In those eight weeks, Joe Mixon has had six games over 100 yards and has found the end zone another six times. He is your playoff workhorse if he can get himself back on the field. You know what, man? That's all I have to hear. You combine that with his upcoming schedule. If he comes back healthy, the only concern of mine is that Week 15 game against Pittsburgh. But outside of that, they have New York, the Giants, Miami, Dallas, Houston, all teams that are relatively porous against the run, and I'm I'm in. I'm I'm not giving up on Mixon. I'm staying true to what I've said all off season and into this season. I'm not giving up on him in 2020. Listen, I haven't traded the guy. I haven't dropped the guy. Okay, I'm familiar with this whole end of the season turning it on thing. But next year, bet your ass. Even if he turns it on and goes for 50 a game. For the rest of the games this year. He's on the list? He's on the fucking list. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to keep Joe Mixon. I'm not going to trade for him. I'm not going to acquire the headache. But I do agree. I've had him in the past. 
I've seen, I've, I've heard from you plenty um, about what he does late in the season, and there is potential for that. Now, if he doesn't bet your bottom dollar, I am going to run around this very small room <laughs> and scream as loud as I can. And you guys just got to put up, put up with it because I'm going to just do my own victory lap and telling you that you were wrong, even though I was probably the biggest loser out of all of it because yeah, i took you can, him in so many you can ways. blame us for buying into joe mixon because i am 100 percent at fault for convincing you of his talent you were off the mixon bandwagon i talked you onto the mixon bandwagon if he doesn't perform in the 2020 fantasy playoffs you can point and laugh at me that's fine if i ever quit drinking i'm i can't be friends with you guys anymore because <laughs> then it's you're gonna be like oh no no, no come back it's fine it's one beer it's one beer. That's how Mixon felt for me, guys. I already swore off the guy, and you're like, "Come on, dude, it's just." I mean, lay off it. the weed. <laughs> Stay <laughs> off the, the weed. Stay off the damn weed. <laughs> so here's to hoping that we won't have to stay off the Mixon, and I would be okay with that whole 50 point performance moving forward. You know, make up for all the trash we've dealt with up to yeah, this point. Yeah, he puts up. 300 yards in three games over your fantasy playoffs and gets five touchdowns in that stretch, then what are you going to do? I mean, I'll just shrug my shoulders like I just did and be like, all right, finally. Like, he, he already <laughs> lost me a bunch of games. Like, I'm not, there's no point this season, no matter what Joe Mixon does, there is zero point in this season remaining that I'm going to be like, you know what? You earned it. I'm glad I got him. Because he missed the first fucking 10 weeks. I'm hoping by week 17 you change your tune. We'll see. I'm going to mention one more wide receiver from this article here. And it's a wide receiver that we saw just here in Cleveland. It's Brandon Cooks from the Houston Texans. And the reason that I mentioned Brandon Cooks in this article is because he has found new life in this Texans offense since Bill O'Brien was fired. And we all know how... The Arizona Cardinals thank Houston for ever hiring Bill O'Brien after that Hail Mary catch by DeAndre Hopkins. But now that Bill O'Brien is out the door, we've seen Cooks reach at least 60 receiving yards in four straight games and found the end zone three different times from weeks five to nine. Now I cut it off at nine instead of 10 because we already went over when you talked about the Browns, how miserable the weather was in Cleveland and how bad Deshaun Watson is in bad weather. So the fact that Cooks didn't have a productive fantasy game week 10, I'm going to throw it out the window. But what I'm hoping that does is when you see a wide receiver playing a bottom five defense against fantasy wide receivers, and then they don't perform and they don't even think about the weather. They just see, oh, the Browns are 28th against fantasy receivers. Why did Cooks lay a dud? That's where I send my offer. You send your offer right there because despite the favorable matchup against Cleveland on paper, it wasn't a favorable matchup when it comes to the weather. So if you're looking at a manager that has Brandon Cooks that was maybe frustrated after his slow start. Now, Brandon Cooks is a guy that got dropped in two different leagues that I'm in this year. So his value has plummeted and then resurged, and then it's taken a little bit of a hit again. I think that now that we're past this bad weather game, we're going to see Brandon Cooks return to the Brandon Cooks that we saw between weeks five and nine. And I think that there's going to be a touchdown regression from Will Fuller as he finally broke a touchdown streak of like six straight games. Some of those are going to go Brandon Cook's way, and Brandon Cooks is going to have some big games through the remainder of the season as long as 
the Texans stay out of 50 mile an hour winds, which I plan that they will. I mean, hey, we were in Cleveland, okay, during that ridiculous wind. And I remember before the game started, before the delay even started, I was like, 0% chance any pass catcher or quarterback playing in Cleveland or the surrounding areas is yeah. going to have a good game. Ben Roethlisberger did prove me wrong, but they were further the other way. That was my buy low list for your trading deadlines. I know that trading deadlines vary from league to league. I know that a couple of mine have already passed, but I wanted to get this article out for those who have a trade deadline, whether it's today for week 11 or if it's week 12 or if it's right before your fantasy playoffs. I wanted to get this article out there for all of our listeners to read and maybe send a low ball offer for one of these guys for, to a frustrated owner or a desperate owner. Uh, I posted this article on all of our social medias. You can find it on Corner Sports FS on Twitter. You can find it on Corner Sports on Facebook. Or if you go on Instagram, it's The Corner Sports. Uh, any of those social medias will be promoting this article from thecornersports.com. Uh, take a read and send some offers out there to try and get your roster over the top for the fantasy football playoffs. I already sent one offer in one of my leagues to a Joe Mixon owner. I tried to sell Jarek McKinnon high, and I tried to send him DJ Chark for Joe Mixon, and I was abruptly shot down. So I don't know if he's on the same wavelength I am in believing in Mixon, but hopefully you guys have better luck in buying low for these fantasy assets that have seen their value decrease over the first 10 weeks of the fantasy football season. And now, for everyone's favorite segment, we're going into one round. One round. I love that you caught on that. That yeah. makes me so happy. Of we don't need a soundboard. I, I take back what I said last week. We don't need a soundboard. You're a human soundboard. Boom. Dude, I'm like the guy from what's the Police police Academy movie. I think you have first pick, actually. Boom. Is that how this is going to work? I think you do. We're just jumping right in there. I think, I think so. Well. And now. And now. My pick is going to be... Wait, I didn't even say what the one round was. <laughs> I See, look at you. Let our listeners know what the one round is. Okay, so the The Christmas one... sales are getting to you. Oh, man, are they? <laughs> um, this week's one round is going to be an easy one, a softball toss. I mean, it's in honor of the PS5 release, because we've Bingo. seen so and, many and people... Xbox. And Xbox. We've seen so many people frustrated they can't get these game systems, because, I mean, we're quarantined. And not only People that, want their games. they're just they're just not like this is the thing about releases that bother me the most is like they're like they hype it up so much and they're like, we made seven. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> this is our one round of video games, not just sports video games. Any video game we've played on any system. Coogs lead us off one point one. So I got to go with the OG, the video game that changed my life. And once it was re-released here in 2020. I played it every single day until I beat it, so it was like four days. I'm talking Tony Hawk, Pro Skater. That's my numero uno. I, I figured it would go top three, so I made sure I took it number one. Paul, 1.2. Well, that's one that certainly resonates among the generations, but if you're going to leave me Madden, i got to take Madden. I've, I've had Maddens ever since my Sega Genesis day. I, I think my earliest Madden was Madden 94. Christian so, used to be the Madden OG, so I, I know was. he was hurting for that pick. I was. There was a long... But now, he's going to take one of my favorites. I just know it, so... There was a long time where I was very highly ranked in Madden back in back in my day, back in my video game days. <laughs> back when you could actually go to the <laughs> concerts and hear the people sing. 
Oh, what a time that was. 2020, huh? But I'm going to go with a surprise pick here. Huh? I'm going to throw it back a little bit, and I'm going to go with Mario Party. Ooh, nice. That's a strong pick. N- I did not have pick. you down N64, for that pick. I know that a couple of video game, a couple of sports video games are still on this list that I am well-versed in, but Mario Party was a game that I threw back with my brother all the time, and I've got to put it up here on this list. Love Cooks. that pick. So my second pick is going to be ESPN Football. So I know Madden was taken, and I might be reaching on this, but I'm just saying I was the type of guy that played my ESPN football not only to play throughout my season, but I would use the first-person view. That was the only game that had it. Mm -hmm. I went to my crib. I did all, like, anything you could do in that game to, like, customize even, like, your menu and stuff like that. I did all of it. I lived on it for PS2 back in the day. I'm going ESPN football. NFL 2K5 was... Maybe the best football game ever created. Oh, it was a phenomenal. Was but, that the uh, one with Warren Sapp on uh, the cover? T.O. T.O. Yep. yep. Bingo. But uh, that leaves me. And man, there's there's a lot of good options. It's hard to squeeze only four into here. But I'm going to go with the Halo series. <sighs> and while I never played very far beyond Halo, I think three is pretty much my latest. The amount of time I've earned on Halo Combat Evolved and Halo 3. I mean, just the storyline, the setup, great games. As a former video game player myself i'm ashamed to say that i've never played halo man wow you're missing well, out but we if you do this if you never owned you. an xbox then you probably haven't i was That's a playstation why. guy yeah, yeah. That, that would be why mm-hmm. i know i was always a playstation guy i'm a ping pong guy i go back and forth i'm like i get the newest playstation then i get the newest xbox then i get the newest playstation and here we are so speaking of me being a playstation guy for my 1.6 I'm going to go with a game that was only released on PlayStation. I'm going to go with Kingdom Hearts. Ooh. Wow. That's a bit... I don't... I've never played that You don't strike one. me as the type. Oh, I loved Kingdom Hearts. It's probably one of my favorite video games of all time. Wow. I know nothing about that video game. Basically, oh, it's, it's you take... It's like a cult following. You take the Final Fantasy characters mm. and you fight through all the Disney levels. We are really nerding out right now. Oh, I'm nerding out so hard. We like, could just turn the recording off and just do this. I'm cool. We, we could for, <laughs> for hours. Probably. Kingdom Hearts is definitely one of my top three video games of all time. I spent so much time playing it. And the original one was is the one I'm talking about. I'm not talking about all the ones that came out in systems after. But PlayStation 2, Kingdom Hearts 1 is a legendary video game. Solid pick. I am going to go with one that I cannot believe has fallen this far. We're at what? Uh, 1.7. 1.7. And I am just now saying Mario Kart. Mm, yep. Come on, guys. Jose Ramirez would be disappointed in us if this. I'm just, if you heard I, this. So Mario Kart, I mean, carried how many sleepovers through our childhood? Probably a billion. Oh, all of the... Elementary school ones for, for sure. sure, and all of the, the iterations. But all just the iterations another, of this game. Just another uh, shout out to the best console of all time, N sixty four. I mean, find me something better. I'm, I would. I'm, I went from N sixty four to PlayStation two to PlayStation three, and I ended at PlayStation four. See, after we, that, I never bought. We should one. chip in and buy him a PS five. All I got to do is get a second mortgage on the house, <laughs> and then if you could just, um, you know, rob a bank, bam, we can get Christian PS five, and then get on the waiting list for like four months. Yeah, yeah, it would just be four months. We'd be in jail for most of it, so it's fine. <laughs> so 
that brings us to our 1. third 1.8 our 1.8 our third trip around the desk and I've I've got to do it I'm forced to pick this video game series it's MVP baseball there's wow. no chance that I could let this fall any further Least between well you're a dumbass so <laughs> But between the M- one with Manny on the cover the, was the best. Ma- that was MVP 05. My yep. first, my first, my MVP baseball V card was taken by Albert Pujols in MVP 04. And just, <laughs> I mean, you can, there's V card by Pujols. Jokes. There's so many jokes. <laughs> there's so many jokes that he just like was like my V card. V card by, by Pujols. The Pujols. Jeez. But uh, no, I mean, phenomenal series. One of EA's greatest mistakes is allowing that series to die. And I can record a whole podcast on that alone, but let's move on to 1.9. So with my 1.9, I'm going to stick with Mario, as Mario is a common theme in this one round. I'm going to go with Super Mario 64. Mm. Damn. Yeah, the one where you could jump through the windows that were like actually portals. Yeah, that and you would just go into the levels yeah. and collect so all good. the stars. So good. Uh, yeah. Geez. Yeah, Mario Mario just like we are being a pillar in our childhoods. Really is. But for sure, it's got to be one of the brands falling off easily, right? Or no? I mean, I'm not really in touch with the video game age of the Same, day, but I we are. Totally I, I'll say right now that we're definitely going to have an honorable mention round. So we got to have an honorable mention because there's just too many. But I 1. will 10. go with 1.10. 1. A video game that has kept everyone awake because the sleepovers would happen, and you just go around killing strangers and take turns until you you had to pass the sticks because you died. I'm talking about Grand Theft Auto. Between three and I, I don't want to say five because then it kind of went live and all that stuff. Five I'm, was so good. Yeah, but but I'll say five. I'll give it. I'll give it to five. But like Vice City and shit, San Andreas and shit. Like I could still to this day, if you put a new disc in, I have to have sufficient memory, obviously. So give me a memory card as well. But if you put a disc in a PS2 and put it on my TV in my living room right now, room right now I would have to tell my girlfriend and child. Like, I'm going to be gone for a few days because that's how it would work. Like, that is how that game worked. I could that was the first game, I think, for most of us growing up that you could play until like four in the morning. Be Like, holy shit, no one has bothered me from 4 p.m. when I started playing this until here we are at 4 a.m. Throughout my childhood, most of these games, I would get home from school at about three or four and play them the rest of the night. Bingo. Oh, for sure. Especially GTA. Like, you didn't even have to do mission. That was the, the GTA was like one of the first ones where it was like, fuck it. I'm not even going to do a mission. I'm going to steal a car, pick up a hooker, bang yeah, the hooker, you know. paint the car, get new rims, and then I'll go rob a bank, and then I'll just stand on top of a building and snipe people. Yes. And then your mom walks in the room and you like change the channel, put on Cartoon <laughs> Network. You're like, oh, I wasn't doing anything. Just watching just... Dexter's Lab, not banging a hooker. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do you man. got, man? But uh, these honorable mentions are about to be nuts. They are, especially after this singer I have lined up for my fourth pick here. And uh, this goes back into the early reaches of my childhood. Maybe a more innocent pick, especially compared to the GTA franchise. But I'm going with the Backyard Sports franchise. Oh, that's a good one. A deep impact on my early childhood years from Backyard Football to Backyard Baseball. Even the Backyard Basketball games, which were kind of weird but equally fun. Just so much... So much fun and so much time spent on those games, at least in my childhood. But I was also a loser. (laughs) So I will wrap this up with our 1.12. And I will wrap it up with the Call of Duty franchise. Hard to believe that went last. Yeah, I don't. There's so many good choices that I don't know how this ended up being the very last pick of the first round. But I feel like 
we would be doing our listeners a disservice if we didn't include this in our list. And they made a big resurgence. Let's let's point that out. Oh, like they do every six months. Once, well, there's certain once they one... went like everybody kill everybody like Fortnite style yeah. battle royale. I'm not including every game in this list, but like Modern Warfare, mm. like the first Modern Warfare, that's like the prime Call of Duty mm-hmm. where people were like all in on. I remember when I was in college. And we would spend hours playing the zombie level with the lava in the middle. Yeah. Call of Duty was, if I were to go through my timeline of video games, I went from the N64 with the Marios and the Pokemons, which we didn't even mention. That's going to be an honorable mention for sure. Marios and Pokemons and N64 to Madden and Call of Duties and the Playstations. That was my timeline. That was it. So I will start off the honorable mentions with three hot ones. Okay, three, three, just, like it's been burning me that it hasn't been said. Mm-hmm. I can't believe we didn't talk about two K. I was that's going to be one of mine. I mean that two K two K fourteen arguably being the best in my in my mind. I've wasted such a ridiculous amount of time of my adult life on two K because I love the my player mode. Yep. Also crazy that we didn't bring up Fortnite. Now I know it's newer. But most listeners have taken a stab at it. I'm terrible at it, but most of my friends are pretty good at it. But the last honorable mention that I have was so close to being a top pick for me. Not a number one, but like in my actual picks, Block Dude. Mm. On the TS-99 Mm. or whatever it was, calculator, Block Dude. Everyone that had that calculator did everything they could to get Block Dude put on their fucking calculator so they could play video games instead of learning in class. (laughs) Paul, honorable mention. Well, there's two that I left off my list specifically because I knew neither of you would take them. Uh, One is the Sonic the Hedgehog series. Just I I can't pick one, but going all the way back to the Sega Genesis days, which there's just so many to pick from, but one I had to narrow down would have been Sonic the Hedgehog. And then one that's close to me that I knew for sure wouldn't be taken would be the Tiger Woods games. So I, I could rattle off probably five to ten more, but just for, for brevity's sake, I'll leave it at that. I'm going to go with one honorable mention that I already just mentioned here a second ago. It's the Pokemon Red and Blue mm. Game Boy games. You know, for, okay, oh. so you brought it up. I got to bring up Pokemon Crystal for, for Game Boy Color. I went from Red and Blue to Yellow to Silver and Gold to Crystal before I like thought I was like too cool for Pokemon. Oh, you're too old for Pokemon, dude. And then, sure enough, I had like all the cards. I had all the Game Boy games. And sure enough, now you look on eBay or you look on any of these like card sites or YouTube channels, and there's still people opening up packs of Pokemon cards that cost thousands of yep. dollars. Oh yeah, they're making bank off those those holographic Charizards and shit like that. Absolutely. Pokemon was a staple of my childhood. I'm kind of upset with myself that I didn't mention in mention it in the actual countdown or the actual one round. But it deserved its own like little mention here in the honorable mentions because the Pokemon games, I was glued to my Game Boy for the majority. If I wasn't playing sports in my childhood, if I wasn't playing dodgeball or kickball outside, because I was actually in the generation that actually played outside. Whoa. I know. But when I wasn't outside, if it was raining or if it was cold, I was attached to my lime green Game Boy Color. I had a teal. Playing Pokemon Red or Blue. I caught all the all 150 of them multiple times oh. over and over. I mean, that's it. I just want to shout out a couple more. Mario Golf and uh, 
Any, anything I, golf is mentioned by Paul. Okay, and also MLB the show. <laughs> MLB has MLB the show has got to be mentioned. The so. show is a good one. That's did, my final. Did you say that one? I said MVP base. MVP base. Same thing. Come on, not even close. I just wanted to piss you off. <laughs> well, you did. <laughs> so that wraps up episode four zero of the Corner Sports Podcast. We thank you all for listening for these 40 episodes, whether you joined in the 30s or whether you've been with us from episode one, or even for those of you that have been with us from the heat check episodes way back when. I thank you all for being with us for these 40 episodes here, no matter when you joined. Feel free to give us a follow on Instagram at The Corner Sports. You can follow us on Facebook and just search up Corner Sports. You also have the Facebook group, Fantasy Football Corner. We love answering start sick questions in that group. We have we're gaining members every single day and there's a lot of good fantasy football topics that get brought up whether it's trades or whether it's who to keep or who to start and sit. There's a lot of good conversations going on in that group and we want more of our listeners to join in on those conversations so that we can help you out. We answered 37 start sick questions on Sunday morning, which is a new corner sports record for our social media accounts. And so far, with four left to play, because we we are recording this before the Monday night game, with four matchups left to be decided, we have gained our listeners and the people that have asked us questions 135 and a half fantasy points with our fantasy football advice so send all of those start sick questions our way we love answering those especially on twitter where you can find us at corner sports fs and we thank you all for listening for these 40 we hope you are here for 40 more and many more after that and i will send it to my co-host here for the sign off well first things first thank you to those who are listening thank you to those who have stuck by us uh, through now 40 episodes, the big four O. As always, shoot us your questions, concerns on social. Shout out to Dustin Johnson on a big Masters victory and run the damn ball, Browns. Not much to say after that. Obviously, we appreciate all of you for 40 episodes worth of content. And believe me when I say there will be 40 more, and I cannot wait. Support your local businesses, love your neighbor, and peace out! run feels so fucking good i just fucking busted a nut that was awesome didn't need to know that i'm gonna take a break while coops changes his pants <laughs> that was like that was this... feel good because when you get to the end of it and you're like oh I did it. I did it. <laughs> this pants changing break brought to you by <laughs> me undies <laughs> that was pretty good